Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So just theoretically speaking, <laughs> it probably isn't too hard to kill the average person. And honestly, it probably wouldn't be too hard to kill me. The average person has a routine. The average person is exposed most of the time. Going to work, going to school, going to the gym. So who would be really hard to kill? I mean, I think like a mafia boss or probably an ex-Navy SEAL would be pretty hard to kill. I think anyone in government, any sort of leader, dignitary, I assume they always have security around them, right? How about a member of Malaysian royalty? And why would you want to kill them anyway? Maybe if you thought that they cast a spell on you? A black magic spell that made you hear crying babies at night? That made dead hitless birds appear in your gardens? that made your husband not affectionate towards you anymore? How difficult should it be to reach the second wife of a Malaysian prince? Hi, I'm Teddy and welcome to A Briefcase. Today, we're covering the murder of a married member of Malaysian royalty, Hasliza Aishak. The Malaysian monarchy is a little bit complicated, and this story is kind of centered around Raja Jafar, also known as Raja Jafar Ibni Amarhum Raja Muda Musa, that's a handful. And he's the crown prince of the state of Perak Darul Rizwan. So Perak is a state in Malaysia on the west coast, and the capital city of Perak is Ipoh. But that doesn't mean that he's like a forever king, like an absolute monarchy or anything. And to be honest, I'm not super clear on how this works. There's technically 13 states and 3 federal territories in Malaysia. But of those 13 states, only 9 of them still have what you call traditional Malay rulers like Barak. But technically, the main position, the position of king, is rotated every 5 years. So imagine if you're the last one in rotation. I think you spend like 45 years waiting to be the king of that area. I don't know. I'm really not sure. Anyway, another thing that we should know about Malaysia for this case is that you're technically allowed to have up to 4 wives if you're Muslim. And from my understanding and experience, this isn't really that common. So professionally, Raja Jafar, he has a really solid resume given that he is indeed a prince. But he also did his master's in public administration in Cornell, which is very respectable. And he probably had a hell of an entrance essay, which is like, why do you want to take public administration? Because I'm a prince. Duh. Okay, so now we also need to talk about Raja Jafar's personal life. 
1973, when he's about Daridu, he marries his first wife, and her name is Raja Narmahini Binti Almarhum Raja Shahar Shah. And like Raja Jafar, Raja is a title. So Raja Narmahini, she's about 27 at that time, and she's also very smart, very respectable. She went to the University of Malaya, and she became a teacher, and for some time, according to the Sydney Morning Herald, apparently she was a reasonably popular actress. So very nice, very Grace Kelly, and they have two kids together, a son and a daughter, so a very perfect little family unit. And all is well, he's literally the crown prince, and they have a nuclear family. But in 2002, when he's about 61 or so, like 61, 62, he marries Hasliza Binti Isha. And Hasliza, she is so beautiful. She's stunning. She's 26 years or so. So if you're counting like me, that's a 35-year age gap. Alright, that's 35 years. So she's a waitress that became a model and then an actress. So full-on rags to riches. But her life wasn't the easiest and I believe like my understanding is that she may have been married before and then got divorced and she had two young children. And here's the thing about polygamous marriages. When researching into this, there was this project interview thing that I came across with a Dr. Wan Zumusni Wan Mustapa. And one thing that the research found was that a lot of the first wives, they feel like they have to say yes for the sake of keeping the family together and they don't like it, they are unhappy but they feel like they have to say yes which is honestly a very unfortunate position to be in so I, I personally could never honestly so a lot of the Malaysian media, especially the tabloids they speculate that Raja Normahini, the original princess, the first wife she felt that way and she didn't want to be in a polygamous relationship but her husband was literally the crown prince of her state you know and this isn't someone that you can comfortably say no to without worrying about the implications. So Raja Jafar, he marries Hasliza in a romantic and private ceremony in Thailand around January 2002 and she becomes Che Puan Hasliza Binti Aishak. So she's not the main consort and Che Puan is a title for people who marry royalty but don't have any title. So not like a Raja. And in less than a year, she would be dead. So we don't know what Chef Wan was doing that day in early October 2002, so less than 10 months later, but we do know how it happened. And according to witnesses, she was at Taman Pinji Perdana in Ipoh. And if I'm not wrong, this is a reasonably residential area. She was in a Honda Civic and a man smashes the window on the driver's side, her side. Three men, though some sources do say two, in caps, dark clothing and glasses, they drag her out of the car. They drag her into a proton saga and according to the same witnesses with the car plate ABW4001. According to one of the pathologists on the case, she was killed by pressure on the neck which makes me think that it's probably strangulation or some sort of neck injury. It's also believed that she was thrown off the bridge and she was found near KM63 along Jalan Sumpitan near Taiping. And again, according to some sources, she was found near a waterfall at a picnic site. She was found in jeans and a tank top and her hands and feet were tied up. And this was a high-profile case. This was literally the wife of the crown prince of Perak. 
And the Malaysian police chief was like, this is a crime of passion and the motive is jealousy. So five men were charged, in total five men were charged. The main three that were charged were a 50-year-old party planter, so like a rice farmer, a 34-year-old carpenter, a 27-year-old fisherman, and these men were all from the same area, Tanjung Paindang. There were also two men charged with abetting the murder. There was a 47-year-old Bomo and a 41-year-old palace aide who was also known as a private secretary to the queen kind of position. Okay, and I suspect this is because of how delicately this case had to be managed, but how the investigation and courtman was a little bit vague. In one source, the 50-year-old party planter was also referred to as a bomo, which makes me think that maybe these are people with day jobs that just do like bomoing on the side, so a side hustle. So anyway, according to some of the tabloids, and, and, I'm, and I'm going to say like this is a tabloid source, okay? So take everything with a lot of salt and skepticism. But for some reason, this was also one of the more detailed sources. My interpretation of this, and I think the way that this was put forward, is that this was a very bad misunderstanding. So the 50-year-old party farmer, he confesses to killing Sher Puan Hasliza, by karate chopping her on the neck and then throwing her off the bridge. But this isn't the most shocking part of his confession. He also allegedly told the court that Raja Nor Mahini, the wife, the first wife of the prince, was the one who masterminded the killing. And I guess even if you are the first wife of the crown prince of Farak, you are still accountable to the courts, which is very nice. But she shows up to the court and was like, no, I didn't ask them to murder her. I hired them to lift a black magic spell. I have no idea how how they jumped the gun on this. And she kind of almost reverse unoed it, if, if I can phrase it like that. If anything, she allegedly thought that maybe Hasliza or somebody else might have put a Santao, an evil spell on her. And so she starts off like the whole statement with, Throughout my marriage referring to the prince, has often been out of line, but our marriage has never been invaded by supernatural beings. So I think this is kind of saying that he might have been a little bit naughty, a little bit distracted. And then she goes into some very strange, very scary allegations. She says that the prince, Raja Jafar, he started sitting cross-legged in the dark. So like meditating but in the dark he started avoiding her like shunning her and on palace grounds she started finding hitless birds she found a random sanitary towel on the roof i don't know if it was used or not and it gets scarier there were flies following her around and she got a rash which theoretically i'm just saying if you're very stressed you can get a rash i have a rash from wearing my watch on the same um like all the time and some other very scary things. She also started hearing babies crying in the palace even though there weren't any babies in the palace and she heard someone smacking a stick on the ground after midnight and only after midnight. And I guess if you really wanted to justify it, you could say that meowing kittens sometimes hear sound like crying babies and if you had a cat on the palace ground, sometimes they will decapitate birds and give it to you and bring random things onto your compound. So she went to a bomo to try to break this alleged spell that she thought was happening. And so what he did 
was he put a string in some mineral water and the Bongo told her to put some of this water from this string into her husband's coffee. Which in the grand scheme of Bomo spells seems quite mild. And this water represented like the buffalo no string. And this ritual was also called the buffalo no string. Because it's like, you know, when you pull a buffalo along from the nose. And it was supposed to make her husband more loving. And personally, I don't know if this erases all the creepy stuff like the crying babies and everything. But maybe this was just part of it. And just somewhere along the way, did they think that they had to kill Hasliza to break the spell? Did they think that they were value-adding to their service? Or was it some sort of massive, unfortunate misinterpretation? And how did they think that they could kill a high-profile member of the royal family and get away with it? And I mean, in general, there's still a lot of questions. But I can understand when reporting on people with political influence, you have to be really careful. And especially when it's very possible that the person being accused might really have nothing to do with it and was okay sorry this is not what i asked for and so in the end the three men 50 year old party farmer slash bomo the 34 year old carpenter and the 27 year old fisherman they were all sentenced to 20 years palace secretary um the aide and the bomo they were absolved of being involved in all of this and there was there was no credible evidence linking them, linking it to the Raja nor Mahini. And I guess in terms of what really happened, we'll never know. But I think if that's one thing that we've learned in the past decade or so, looking at all the news, is that just because you become a princess doesn't mean that you'll have a happy ending. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of A Briefcase Podcast. If you're interested in podcasting, it is one more week to the Asia Podcasting Festival. I haven't decided what to wear yet, but I'll be speaking on a panel with the wonderful Carl, one of the producers of our favorite supernatural podcast, Hantu. And if you're going, remember to drop me a DM so I know, or tag me at A Briefcase Podcast on Instagram. And as always, you can find me online at abriefcasepodcast.com and do join us next week for another brief case. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.